You have your scriptures with you. I want to look this morning at Habakkuk chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 5. I'll be reading the scriptures and listen to and for the word of the Lord this morning as Habakkuk deals with the reality that doom is impending. That though the people of Israel have gone astray and worship other gods and, and have other emphasis instead of the true worship of God, that the consequences are about to come. And he has to wrestle with that situation, that destruction is coming. And this is his resolve. And listen to and for the word of the Lord as Habakkuk expresses, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crops fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. The word of the Lord. Jesus, as he's sharing wisdom and, and best practices for living and relating to one another in the world in which he was living, he's basically sharing the famous Beatitudes. And he's in the middle of the Sermon of the Mount. And in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Luke calls it the Sermon of the Valley, but, you know, I don't see a problem with that because uh, he may have started speaking on the Mount and finished down in the Valley, or he may have begun in the Valley and finished up on the Mount. No issue with that one. In chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, Jesus says these amazing words, to those who he knows are his close followers. And he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The word of the Lord. As I shared with you, I have spent some eight days both in Grand Rapids and in uh, New York City. Grand Rapids was an amazing experience where we got together with all these worship leaders, all these amazing expert preachers, and they put us through the meal. Eight o'clock in the morning was the first worship service. Eight o'clock at night was the beginning of the last one of the day, and in between class after class after class. If you are one of those students who love a lifelong student, I felt I was back in college with my backpack, making sure I got to class on time. I want to get my right corner desk. It's my favorite one, and everybody else's was. Uh, so we played, no. <laughs> so, so it was a very rejuvenating experience. And next year, I would like to invite some of you to venture up with me in the middle of the winter to good old Grand Rapids. Let me tell you, there will be no time to get distracted. And you don't want to either out there. So it works for both. 
While we were there, we saw how amazing, and I shared with you the magazine on how this organization, the Christian Reformed Church, their worship resource department, believes that we have something to share. Who are we? And yet they believe that we have something to share. And as I was reading scripture and studying for this message, I thought, Dah. in the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see the good deeds that God is doing with us. And they can glorify God in heaven. That is a way of worshiping. I am introducing today the, the, the idea of M&M worship. And those of you who read the article in the newsletter, some of you said, I was anxious already by the second paragraph. I didn't know what M&M worship was until I revealed it in the third. Was it the third? Uh, my great editor, third or fourth paragraph. We finally declared it was about worship that is meaningful and worship that is memorable. And meaningful and, and, and memorable worship requires a great deal of planning, requires a great deal of intentionality because it's not about us. Is about God and the worship of God. Today I want to start our series with the first message, worship that worships. Worship that really worships God. And let me tell you, first of all, one of the techniques that I learned with Dr. Jimenez. I didn't know he was the co-chair of the Center for Excellence of Preaching, Umboricua from Dorado. And I sat with him for hours and we toil with the idea of worship and, and, and we express. We thought of the idea of presenting this message instead of what is, what is not worship. Well, worship is not your preference or mine. It is not your preference or mine. Worship is about God. Worship is not about the, the, the mystery gags. The little smoke that once in a while comes up there. That's not what worship is about. Worship is not about a specific ritual that we grew up with or that we have gotten accustomed. That is not worship. Worship is not about mindless repetition of words and prayers. And I say mindless. Because sometimes we catch ourselves doing it here when we have a pause and we would pause. Because we have been engaged with the text in a mindless Routine fashion. That is not the worship of God. The worship of God is not about your preferences or mine. It's about God's and God's grace. It is not about traditional styles of worship. It is not about contemporary styles of worship. It is not about what you like of worship. It is not about what I like of worship. Worship, that worship is worship of God. It is not about the piano, the drums, the organs. It is not about the creeds or the prayers. It is not about the song. It is about the worship of God. It isn't about our feelings and our ecstasies and our knowledge. It isn't about performance, whether we do it with dramatic arts or some other way. It isn't about coming here and do a sing-along and listen to a guy just speak stuff. It is about the worship of God. So then what is worship of God. It is ascribing God. It is ascribing God honor. It is ascribing God worth. It is ascribing God beauty. It is ascribing God all honor and praise. 
adoration. And that requires you and I to humble ourselves. You see, it is about giving the glory to God. It's about rendering honor. It is about even surrendering our lives as we want our ways. It is about the energy of the Spirit. It is about our imagination as liturgy, the work of the people. That's what liturgos means, the laity involving the work of worship. It is not about you coming to see a spectacle. It is about you being part of the spectacle, the worship of God. Kierkegaard had this whole idea during his days in the 1800s when they were, um, pardon me, early 1900s, when they were debating whether worship was theatrics, whether worship was performance. And his answer was yes. It is performance. It is theatrics. It involves all those elements, but it is not of one person, but of all the body of God. And guess who our audience is? One. If we perform, it is us together. That is why you have prayers. That is why we sing together, back and forth, because we are all performing before the audience of one. Our God. That's to whom we give glory and honor. It is a joyful expression. It is, it is, oh, it is passionate. It is spiritual. It is expressive. Oh, the people of Israel had drums and cymbals and all sorts of instruments, and they got loud, and he also got quiet and reverent. So it's not about one or the other. It is about worship. It's about God. It is about a flavorful, tasty. Worship has to be tasty. And perhaps if one of the contributions that the African-American church, that the Latin church can do to an Anglo church is bring some sabor, bring some flavor, bring some taste into our worship, bring some passion, and then we enjoy it all. It is not about Rationality, though it's part of it, God wrote his word. Didn't make us feel it. It's written, so it's a combination. Worship, that worship is mysterious, is spiritual, it is passionate, it is risky, it is exploratory, and it is adventurous. Oh, how different is that, those words that I'm using, versus the ones that we had two years ago. Worship that worship God leads and brings people closer to God, not just to the arts, for the art's sake. It allows for the practices of deep spirituality. You know that human beings remember only 10% of what's spoken, but we remember 40% of what we do and what we experience. So worship needs to be done in a way that is memorable, that is meaningful. That once you walk out of here, I don't expect, and God, I don't think God expects you to know that, that you had uh, uh, every aspect of the worship. But, but when you're confronted with a situation out there, that the song that perhaps impacted your soul, that the, song, that the words that went deeper than your head into your heart to transform you, that those words will be meaningful not only Sunday, 
but Monday through the following week. And that they will be memorable so that you can share the good news as we step out of here. Worship that worships God is also about rich symbolism, about interactivity, and it has to transform and change our lives. But you know what? Worship that worships is about truth. It's about goodness. And it's about beauty. Those are the three things that are transcendent. And no matter what culture, no matter what philosophy, these are the three transcendentals in our Christian faith. How many of you saw Bobby Schiller today? He copied them for me this morning. Who was talking about that? <laughs> what? <laughs> about how good it is to worship God. We worship the true God in truth and in spirit. And yet, we also need to worship God in the beauty that God has given us. Beauty is not an extra. Beauty is the way in which God has created you. Beautiful to God's eyes. Beauty is the way you live your life before God. Beauty is the way we come together. And as the people of God together, the Laos of God, we create worship that is meaningful, that is memorable. That question was asked of Paul some time ago. And last night, interestingly enough, Lenin asked me that question. How do I know the will of God? So here's what you want to do. Romans 12, 1 and 2. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're looking for a job, you're struggling. You're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. Embracing requires... Movement is not the same as outreach. See the distance? Embracing requires a step, an opening, and a connection. Very different than outreach. CNC team, get ready. <laughs> if you don't want me to change stuff, don't send me to those things. <laughs> Instead, don't become so well adjusted to this culture that you fit in it so well. But instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly responding because this is the worship of God. Because this is the worship of God.